As you're listening to me, Daisy, Apple's iPhone disassembly robot, is dismantling an iPhone into lots of recyclable parts. That's how Apple recovers more materials than conventional recycling methods. Thanks, Daisy. There's more to iPhone. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with PlushCare. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome to Wine Times, brought to you in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club, with me, comedian and wine novice, Susie Ruffle. And me, Will Lyons, the Sunday Times Wine Columnist and Vice President of the Sunday Times Wine Club. Throughout this series, I have taken up the much-coveted role as Apprentice of Wine to try and become the master of all things grape-related. But you won't be on this journey alone, Susie. Oh no, every episode we'll be joined by a well-known guest for some good wine, good times and lively conversation. And don't forget, if you like the sound of any of the wines we have on the show, then fear not, because they're available through the Sunday Times Wine Club. If you haven't signed up yet, there'll be a link in the episode description for you. So, whether you're Cabernet... Or Cabernet, like me... In this show, you're sure to find something to suit your taste. We're here in the fabulous church-turned-boozy destination Amazing Grace in London Bridge, ready to bless the wine and have a good time. Discussing and decanting with Susie and myself today is broadcaster and journalist Matt Chorley. If you haven't yet acquainted yourself with Matt over the radio airwaves or flicking through the paper, let me introduce you. Matt is well-versed in the world of politics with his mid-morning show on Times Radio, where he broadcasts politics without the boring bits. Plus, he is a prolifically witty writer and columnist for The Times. And his talents don't just stop there. Matt also dabbles in a bit of stand-up comedy in his spare time. I mean, I don't know where you're finding spare time in this, Matt. With his most recent stand-up show, Who's in Charge Here? Exploring who really calls the shots in Westminster. Matt is absolutely not afraid to say it how it is. So today we'll be sure to get to the bottom of the wines Matt is putting on the back bench and the one that he'll be electing to his number one. Hello, Matt. Hello. This is the best Times gig I think I've ever had. No, I know. It's a... I'm excited. Please, come, drink. Yes, exactly. Drink wine. Have, have some chat. thoughts. Yeah. You've just come straight from your... I've just come straight from the show. I did have a little sandwich because I thought empty Very stomach clever. straight yeah. off the back of the show. We don't want... Very clever. You know, clever. Yeah, good, you want that. Good. Yeah. Before we begin, I'm yeah. sort of fascinated about how... I mean, first of all, I do want to understand who is in charge in Westminster. I know that I didn't buy a ticket for your tour show, but is there a way that you can let me know? Lots of other people did, so that was fine. Um, uh, Well, to be honest, the show changed quite a bit because when I, and you know this, when you sort of come up with a title, months before you Ah, write a joke. Go vague. uh, So who was in charge? It was a lot of vague, and the vague idea, I would actually try to explain how politics works, the Mm -hmm. different influences, lobbyists and special advisors, and all this was back in sort of October last year. And I thought, well, that, you know, that'll give me some structure. And it was just a, you know, it was going to be a light romp through the various characters of Westminster. And then obviously by the time the tour started in February, who was in charge? It was like a very live question as to whether yeah. Boris Johnson would survive. And then the war started. And so there was a very real question as to whether or not any of us were going to survive. So there was less of the expla- explanation of how politics sure. was and a bit more of 
God, they're all awful, aren't they? Yeah. yeah. Did it get a bit more serious? There were a couple of nights that were quite tough. Yeah. When I think the first night the war started, I could tell the audience were a bit weird. And yeah. I, yeah. I basically said, Look, we've got two, two choices. We can either talk about World War Three for the next two hours or pretend it's not happening. I'm going to talk about cake. And they all opted for cake. And then actually the good thing was, and during the course of the tour, politicians did stupid things about the war. So when the Foreign Office tweeted they'd sanctioned Dmitry Lebedev, but they used a photo of Dmitry Lebedev and used the wrong Dmitry, the actual Foreign Office used a photo of the wrong Dmitry on their sanctions. That's funny. This trust getting in a, in a muddle with their pictures on Instagram is funny, but it's not laughing about the war. It's laughing about our politicians. Yeah. So yes, over time, they, they did what they always did and produced mm-hmm. material. So is it like the thick of it? I mean, it seems like it's just the thick of it is, is tamer than real life. Yeah, the weird thing about the thick of it, people say, oh, it's just like the thick of this. There was a degree of, actually watching this, video, there was still a degree of competence, or at least aiming at competence, or wanting to project <laughs> competence which I think is lacking now. A complete disregard for the projection of competence is the thing that I don't get. They just don't seem to care. Everything's a bit rubbish. Like not knowing what's going on, getting stuff wrong, none of that seems to matter. Do you end up cross a lot of the time? Yeah, I do a bit. Yeah. And there's a lot to do. There's yeah. a big to-do list, isn't there? There's a big... Yeah. yeah. Well, talking of partisan Westminster... Yes. Well, open up that... So, Susie... Get out your... Uh, was a distinct lack of cheese. If this was number 10, the cheese would be out. I do have a confession pot. to make. I got in touch with Matt secretly and <gasps> said, what wines do you like? What do you don't? I don't normally do this with the guests. Oh, don't you? And Matt, oh, I assumed it was part of the, no. part of the deal. Special, clearly. And you said you loved Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah. And so I thought I would introduce you to another grape variety. Oh, is good. A, this is what I want. Yeah. This, my problem is I go in the supermarket... And I think, well, I know I like a new season Sauvignon. And depending on how flush I am, <laughs> is it five pounds, eight pounds maybe, Whoa-ho-ho! ten pounds if it's payday? Hey, hey. Uh, I'm glad I've got some. You've bought something different. And I'll tell you about this wine. When I started doing this, I was sent a gorgeous box of wine by the Sunday Times Wine Club, and my wife said that this is the best wine she's ever had. And what so, is it? It's a Mexican product. So it's a cousin of Sauvignon Blanc. It's Sauvignon Gris. Oh, and it's from we're in southwest France. We're in Bordeaux. Yeah, there's hardly any of it planted there. I think it's 400 acres possibly in the whole of France. It's exclusive to the Sunday Times Wine Club and it's called Le Coin. And what I love about it, it's almost like a well, all the literature says it's a richer, spicier cousin to Sauvignon. But I just love the aromatics. And the best description I've had of this is from Hugh Johnson, the, the author of The World Atlas Wine. He said it was a great fridge door white which is a lovely expression. Is there any other sort of white? <laughs> well, let's have, a, let's have a taste. It's darker, oh. isn't it? Darker. Darker than a Ooh, yes. normal Sauvignon. Oh, now it's made oh, really this is good. A Here we go. <laughs> yeah, it's fine. Yeah, no further questions. I've only, I've only smelled it. I know it's going to be tremendous. So it's, um, it's made in the Entre de Mer, so that's sort of southeast of Bordeaux, between two seas. It is richer and spicy, isn't it, on the, yeah. on the nose there. Let's just have a, have a, have a slurp. No, I see you've you've smacked. I've just swallowed mine. No, yeah, I'm I've swallowed mine too. I that was, I'm not. I've not come here to waste good wine. <laughs> no, absolutely. I'm not using the spittoon. That's really good though. Yeah, it's yeah. creamy. It's, it's got that very dry finish as well. Yeah, which means this would pair so well with because you know all sort of European wines are built not to drink. You know, like we t- tend to drink wine like beer. They're, they're 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 made to you know pair with food. Could you imagine this with soft goat's cheese? Oh cheese. yes. 
It could compete with something quite strong, couldn't it? Yeah, it could. Yeah. Garlicky, anything garlicky, like garlic, sort of garlicky prawns or scallops or anything like that. Yeah. It's immensely popular. Well, if it's immensely popular, why don't they grow very much of it? Two reasons. In Bordeaux, historically, they grow Sauvignon and Semillon and they blend them together. And th- th- that produces a wonderful wine as well. But also they might be guided by the Appalachian law. So in France, they inherently believe the character of a wine, the taste and flavour, comes from the field or the vineyard where it is made. And they, they believe this so much, they've enshrined it in law, called the Appalachian Control System, which was, it came into place in Chateauneuf-du-Pape about 100 years ago. And so the, the most famous one is Champagne. And if you have vines that are just outside of the Champagne region and you make sparkling wine, you can probably sell your bottle for about £8 a bottle. Whereas if it's in the Champagne region, you'll be looking at over £20 a bottle. But you, crucially, you can't call your product Champagne if it's not in the Champagne region. And it's all about the earth. All about what they call terroir, which is the soil, which is the, soil yeah. the makeup of the soil, uh, the aspect of the field or the vineyard. And any fruit farmer will tell you this. Uh, what, what do you mean by aspect? Like literally how yeah. it lies? And how it lies and how it gets the sun. Right, okay. So if you speak to an old fruit farmer, he'll say, you know, or him or her will say, the apples ripen much better in the top field, right. in the top corner, than they do in the bottom field where it gets, the, you know, mm-hmm. it still gets frosts, even in sort of um, mid-May. So the aspect of the vineyard, the, the local climate, like the mesmo climate. And is that why I like New Zealand Sauvignons more than others? Yeah. Because it's, it's to do with the climate, even though it's the same grape. Well, I think, yeah, I think with the thing about New Zealand Sauvignon, they're very consistent. It's got a lot of aromatic sort mm. of fruit with, with um, New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc. And what they have in New Zealand, so the, so the tip of the South Island in Marlborough, is daylight hours. I think we get 1,500 daylight hours here in London. In the Loire Valley, which is the home of Sauvignon, I think they get about between 12 and 1,500. Over there, they get 1,000 more daylight hours a year. Wow. Which get, and, and, and it's strong. You get this sort of UV. It's like bright white light. And I think that's what gives them the aromatic complexity. That's why you like it, I think. Yeah. Is it ever yeah. too hot? Yeah. If it gets too hot for a grape, they're quite clever. They just shut down. Just they like, no, it's too hot. Down. Yeah, so it <laughs> isn't. Well, we all feel a bit like that sometimes. <laughs> I mean, I like the heat, but this is too hot. Yeah. Oh, no, this is not, I mean, not let's yet. not get silly. <laughs> this is too much. But if it gets too hot around harvest time, You'll get a spike in sugar, so the alcohol goes up. Oh, you get, right. So it won't be 12%, it'll be 14 to 15. And if it's really bad, you, you'll, you'll get a sort of baked flavour, so you get darker fruit, which can be quite... So think of sort of prunes and really white blueberries mm. and blackberries as opposed to crisp green apple. And I think, as I've got older, I prefer the crisp green apple. That's what this is, isn't it? This is like mm. biting yeah. into a Granny Smith in a way. Although the nose is quite rich, isn't it? How much is it going to cost us? Is this, a, is this expensive if they don't produce this so is, much of it? No, it's the, well, it depends how much you want, you know, because I always think there's another currency with wine. And if you're a wine lover... It's going to be expensive, isn't it? This is what, he's, he's already... He's setting you up. No, no, yeah, I think yeah, it's yeah, about yeah. £12. Oh, OK, yeah, fine. Yeah. I'm not sure I have to... I, so not for a Tuesday night, but, you know, for yeah. a... Thursday some, night? Thursday. <laughs> 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 See, this is where we differ. I'd say that's more sort of, you know, Sunday lunch, 12 mm, I'd go mm. to £12 for a nice Sunday lunch. Mm. Well, you want to make sure you drink it, don't you? What you don't want is the... Leave too full. No, you don't want to, you know, you don't want to like, put it back. Oh, no, that doesn't happen. No. no. <laughs> I don't know what you mean. What do you mean? What, what do you mean putting it back? You have to drink it in the same night, don't you? You've not got <laughs> one of those pumps. Have you got a pumpy pump? Oh, no. Oh, yeah, no. So, Matt, what you need to buy is a little um, canister of, uh, of gas called Wine Save. Right. It's got argon gas. It's brilliant. 
and it has a little tube attached and you just so what you would do is you put the wine saver in you put the tube in you just squirt it like old-fashioned hairspray right put the cork back on put yeah. it in the fridge yeah and it will keep it fresh really i've done it and it's kept it fresh for 10 days so i've got a it's like a rubber thing that goes in the top and then you sort of suck, yeah, yeah. You pump and suck all the air out. Yeah, I don't like those because like I think it. they suck out the aromatics. Oh, uh, yeah. okay. You look baffled by the whole concept of this. You don't want to suck out the aromatics. Because <laughs> what you're if doing you is, is one you're, thing from this podcast today, do not suck out the aromatics. You're creating a vacuum in there. I once had a really snazzy machine that did that, but it was electronic. It had, had, had a sort of, you know, so you put it under and it went, <laughs> and then it, kind of, it sort of created this vacuum but i always felt the wines tasted slightly flat afterwards mm. whereas the wine save the the, the the gas goes in i'm not a another sort of uh are you working for them no so like, i don't, I don't know how more times gonna mention <laughs> no, but, one save copyright i think there's some two or three gadgets that are worth it and it creates a cushion of air that sits above the wine <laughs> how much is it because at some point there must be a cost benefit of just We'll do throw the wine away. Exactly. The yeah. <laughs> so I think it's the price 50. of your wine may go up as well as down. Yeah. <laughs> the wine save is about fifteen pounds, I think. Oh, that's not bad. Oh, yeah. that's all right. So, <laughs> what, if you save a couple of bottles of wine, then you're there. Yeah. Last um, bit of housekeeping tips: putting a spoon in a bottle of fizz. Does yeah, that work? We've already dispelled that. I don't know where that came no, from. No, I don't know because it's but nonsense. It's nonsense. But if you get a champagne stopper, mm -hmm. that's great for sparkling wine. The only trouble with that is, is getting it off again, because as you know, a champagne cork can get up to a very high speed. So I normally put a tea towel above it and then slowly hold the stopper as you get it and then sort of prise it off slowly. The answer, though, is just to finish the wine, isn't oh, it? I would say so. Yeah, that seems absolutely. Well, thank finish you for that. Wine. I'm glad. I feel like I've learned. Great. So what did you think of that one? Well, I finished it. So that's... So I see. Uh, <laughs> no, I really like That's absolutely bang on my, my, my wheelhouse. Yeah. So, so the there, right I think there is a bit of Sauvignon Blanc in this as well. So yeah. Sauvignon Gris and Sauvignon Blanc. So but it's a, slight, it's a slightly more interesting... Yeah. Sometimes, you know, you're right, Sauvignon Blancs are sort of consistent. But sometimes, they're, you know, they can, less good ones can border on the sort of, not watery, mm. but a bit mm. un, you know, yeah. unexciting. But that's, that's nice. That's a bit slight, slightly more to it. Spicy, yeah, it's, it's moorish as well. You want to have a second glass, don't you? For sure. And that's the key. Where are we? We're in France. We're in so Bordeaux. So we're in Bordeaux. Yeah. We are leaving Bordeaux. We're going to the outer fringes of the wine route, but we're staying in Europe. Okay. We're crossing, uh, we're going nearly 2,000 miles east, actually. Crossing through Italy, Slovenia, Hungary, Romania, and we're getting to Moldova. Mm. Have you ever had a Moldovan wine? I'm not sure I have. No. Here we go. Let me pour. If you think about grape varieties, if you think about grapes, although we call them, we call grapes red and white, they actually look like blueberries. They don't look like table grapes. If you see them, they're quite small, they're round, as opposed to table grapes are quite sort of elongated, aren't they? Mm. And they're actually blue. But, you know, so they're really... And, White grapes are green, so they're sort of blue. And um, you can make white wine from a red wine grape. Champagne's the obvious example. That's made from Pinot Noir, which if you saw it, has sort of blue skins. And the reason that it's still white is because there's no skins that have gone into it. Is that yeah. right? So, yeah. So, so, exactly. So, this is made from a red grape variety called Cabernet Sauvignon. Oh, hang on. This is yeah. too, so, this is a white wine made with a red yeah. grape. So, they've um, gently pressed the grapes and the juice has run clear. So we're in, I haven't been to Moldova. I think Teddy Lathwaite said that readers would be forgiven for not even knowing where it is, let alone that it produced wine. But it looks like a bunch of grapes if you look at it on a map. I feel like I know it from Eurovision. Like, I'm yeah. thinking Moldova? Eurovision actually... and early stages of football yep. tournaments. Yeah. Yep. This is much lighter, isn't it? Yeah, yeah really. Yeah. It's sort of... Really fresh. Citrusy. Yeah. 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 Really citrusy. 
What can you taste, Matt? There's something, and I can't... It's wine. Yeah. <laughs> it's wine again. It definitely is a bit savoury. Yeah. There's a savouriness to it. Yeah. Do you know what it tastes like to me? Yeah. Cheese and onion crisps. Cheese and onion... So, yeah. So, savoury <laughs> <laughs> But that's the whole thing about wine. It can taste... A, a, you know, it doesn't always have to be fruity. It can be dry. It can be bitter. I think what and we're it, learning is, for me, it does. And it can, it can be savoury and vegetable. I was at a very posh dinner the other day. Commandery de Bordeaux. And we had a very old white Bordeaux. And the lady next to me was convinced it was corked, but it wasn't. And her it was just horrible. was convinced. And <laughs> I was next to the chairman of a very famous wine merchant uh, from St. James's. And I said to him, what are we going to say? And he said exactly what I said, which was, that's just what this kind of wine tastes like. You know, old white Bordeaux does taste slightly vegetal. And, but, it, but, but it's a bit like stinky cheese. Some people just love that. Yeah. Love that, or a very yeah, yeah. strong curry. And other people like sweet curries. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And, it, you, and your taste buds change, don't they? Because I remember when I was like in my early 20s, the idea of blue cheese, I'd be like, ugh. Mm. But now, oh, something happens. It's the best 30, thing in the world. You know, get to your mid-30s and you're like, I want a glass of red. That's what they ought to be teaching in PSHE. Oh. One day, you're going to like wine and cheese. And also, this is how you do a pension. Yes, That's exactly. What That's what like. they should be doing. Pensions, wine, cheese. Sorted. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> There's any teachers listening? Also, yeah. the other thing, the pairing with food. Mm. Sometimes, you know, when we've done like a pairing menu thing, you think, oh, they've got that wine. No, I don't like that wine. Or something like a Chardonnay or something. But with the food, like the, it, it completely transforms. Absolutely. So the, the key one with blue cheese is sweet wine. If you, if you do a sweet wine from Bordeaux and you pair it with blue cheese, it's just a heavenly, heavenly match. Same with really bitter red wine. And then you pair it with fatty meat like lamb or, or steak. And the proteins in the meat, that they just react with the wine. It makes the wine taste smoother. You're listening to Wine Times, brought to you with the help of our friends at the Sunday Times Wine Club, your go-to experts for fantastic wine. And don't forget, if you like the sound of any of the wines we've been tasting in this episode, there'll be a link to them in the podcast description. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Can we talk about the label? Yeah. 
That's the sort of label that catch my eye in a supermarket. Right. Do you read a book by its cover? A little bit. Yeah. Yeah. Same. When I look at the grape and all of that, then I'll, I probably will be swayed by. Because the one we had before, it's quite an old-fashioned label. Yep, it's just a I picture thought, of a... It? It's a bit, yeah, a, bit, a sort of line, black line drawing of a chateau. Guessing it's the chateau that it comes from? Yeah, with Bordeaux. Is Have this, you been there? The Moldovan one's got a sort of uh, um, a painting of a flower and some, some extravagant calligraphy. Yeah. Well, it's nice, isn't it? And, and the name. As I've said before, I mean, the thing that will sway me more than anything else with a bottle of wine is if it's got an animal doing something amusing. An animal? Oh, what it's... do you mean, like smoking a pipe? <laughs> oh, if I could get a basset hound smoking a pipe, I'll have a case of the stuff. I'll have a case of it. A frog on a unicycle. Yeah. You know, oh. that sort of Oh, yeah, frog on a... Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah you know, no. or a frog with a monocle. Yeah. I'd think, oh, he seems like a classy chap. Yeah. He must know good wine. Yeah, he knows his wine. Yeah. <laughs> Why is it that sometimes a wine will just suddenly take off? Like, was it last year or the year? Was it, what was it called? The red wine. Trevento? Is that what it's called? Yeah, Trevento. Or it was just suddenly like everywhere and everyone was recommend. Is it just because supermarket, it start, one person recommends it and then it creates demand? Yeah, I think wine is, it, it is fashionable. There's no yeah. question about that. I mean, I've lived through the sort of Prosecco boom. I now think we're entering the say, Cremant boom. I mean... In the supermarkets, a lot is to do with what they put on offer, yeah. where they position it. In yeah. the oh, that's massively. If you sure but then who's crucial. decided? Because presumably the people doing that know something about wine. Yeah. It's not just... Oh, yeah, it would be the supermarket buyers. Yeah. And they're smart. Yeah. I mean, they're super, super smart. Are they like the same as the fashion people who just decide that, you know, yellow is a thing? Yellow's or always a you thing. like animals. You know how sometimes we go through, we went through a period where owls were everywhere, and then we had foxes... Yep. Do you know yeah. Do you know what I mean? Just like, if, so they're, if they're on a bottle of wine, is, I'm into it. But like suddenly, why is there an owl on everything? Yeah. Someone has decided somewhere that owls are a thing. And then you know what the media's like? The Times will do a story. Then yeah. the Telegraph do it tomorrow. Yeah. Then yeah, the yeah, Mail yeah. will just do it a week later because they don't care. You know? <laughs> <laughs> and it's all over the map. So it's Crem- all over the Cremont is basically champagne not made in champagne. Yeah, not made in champagne. And loads cheaper. Loads cheaper. It doesn't have to be with the champagne grape varieties. It get, get, yeah. can use different grape varieties. And you get it in all the other regions of France. So you get Cremant de Loire, Cremant de Bourgogne, which is in Burgundy. They actually make more wine. They make more sparkling wine in Burgundy than we do in England. Uh, Cremant de Lemoux, which is in, in the south. And that's where... That's one with the cow on the label. That's where people believe <laughs> it was the sort of birthplace of sparkling wine. Because if you think of sparkling wine, it's still quite new in that we've been making wine for thousands of years. I think 6,000 years, possibly. We go back to the origins of wine production in Georgia, where sparkling wine is only two or three hundred years old. Is that because it was more difficult to make? Very. And also, you had to have glass bottles that were strong enough. And that's where the oh, English so come explode. In. So you might like the story. So there was a, the um, legend goes, there was an English admiral retired called Admiral Mansell, who devised coal-fired factories up in Northumberland that could withstand a secondary fermentation in the bottle. So that's, what you do. that's how you make sparkling wine in the champagne method. He got given the monopoly, as you do, on bottles, and he sent them down to champagne. And Dom Perignon thought, this is fantastic. No longer are my bottles exploding. Because in the old days, if you went into a champagne cellar, you had to put on a big steel visor because all the bottles could, could explode at any moment. So the English do have a claim in the invention of champagne in that we did create the technology that allowed mm. it to happen. And now, of course, we have a claim that we were the first people to make it. But, you know, it's all up in the air. Yeah. So what do you think of this? Yeah. It's, um, I think I'd probably finish the bottle, but I don't think I'd order a box. Yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. It's okay. Enough. It's the aftertaste. I'm not a massive fan of that. The um, 13%? 
I was just thinking when because sometimes on the afters you can you can actually taste the alcohol mm. and it I was all, a sort of heat. I was all ready to like be very pro this and decide from now on we only drink Moldovan wine. But, um, <laughs> <laughs> what do you mean it's Moldovan? I'm not I'm not sold. I think no? I prefer the first one. What about you? It's quite different. I think I what like it, what yeah. Wilson. I think like if it was it's better pairing it with food, yeah, isn't yeah, it? Yeah, yeah. It's the kind of wine that if you were having dinner with it, I think it would improve as you drank it. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Like, because yeah. I, I think the flavour would really cut through. What we're doing now is slightly artificial, isn't it? Because yeah. we're we're tasting three wines without food. Now imagine a creamy risotto with this. Oh, lovely! I think That's, it would yeah, transform. It. It'd be transformed. Now I did actually, Matt, want to bring food into this podcast, yeah. but I was told we're not allowed to because of the, it, it, it's the noise of eating puts people off at home. So, I've, but I've been caught out by that on the radio before sometimes <laughs> when I've uh, you've had a munch. Well, because particularly there's a thing that happens at the top of the hour. With a minute to go, they start playing music. And that's a basically like wind things up mm -hmm. morning, which I've got quite good at hitting. And then occasionally I think, great, I've hit that. The man starts saying, it's Times Radio on your DAB and all that. More than once, I've like popped a Jaffa cake in my mouth or something, forgetting that after the man stopped speaking, I've got to say, it's 11 o'clock. This is Times Radio, I'm that surely. <laughs> With a mouthful of flapjack or, you know. Oh dear, they've got quite And occasionally people have pointed it out who've been like down the line. <laughs> Now we had a fosh up in particular because we do a coffee break every morning at half eleven. So she comes on to tell me what's coming on her show, and she'll just say, "Are you, are you eating?" It's not like I am just like plowing my way through a Portuguese custard tart. They pair with everything. They do pair with anything. Yeah, I like I like it, but I think it could do with food. Yeah. Yes. Right. Where are we going? We're leaving Europe. Okay. Well, we know that. It's more complicated than we thought. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's Nephew. been a nightmare, let's be honest. Because we're always on a tour in these podcasts, aren't we? I yes. always like to think that we're going to fly to whatever the capital of Moldova is, and then we're going to... Anyway, we're going to go to the southern hemisphere. We're going 9,000 miles wow. all the way to Australia. Lovely. To our red wine. And we're going to pitch up in Adelaide. Are you a cricket fan? I quite like drinking cider while watching it, but I don't yes. follow it. I can't retain any information. I quite like the idea of a sport. I can't retain any information about it. Right. Is it because you have to remember everything about politics? Yeah, I can, so I can tell you no. who the uh, Lib Dem MP for Teambridge was in 2007. And I'd love to know their name right but, now. Richard Younger Ross. But I can't <laughs> tell you. Uh, but I can't, do you know what I mean? I can't retain. Mm -hmm. I'm not one of these people who are oh, oh, football, I hate football. I just don't, I don't follow a team. Yeah. That's why I quite like a tournament. Yeah. I like a tournament. You get into it, get to know everyone, and then they yeah. all pack up and clear off, and I, my mind can go back. To obscure Lib Dems and Westminster and all of that. Do you find it, do you ever, like, I mean, it's been quite a bleak time politically for quite some time, <laughs> yep. in my opinion. Do you ever get to a stage where you think, do you know what, I'm not sure if I can be funny about this? Are there, are there subjects that you think, I just, I'm going to have to swerve this? Or I'm oh, gonna, yeah, loads. Yeah. I mean, I get accused of being pro-Tory, anti-Tory, government bashing, Tory mouthpiece, whatever. Uh, which, well, to some extent, feels like well, I must be doing all right then because if, I don't really because everyone... I don't really have a political. The longer I've done it, the less political I think I've become. Yeah, right. In that, I, I really don't. Or maybe it's just you see them up close and you sort of realise most of them started off in the right place with the best of intentions. So it's Westminster that makes them evil. Well, I most. I mean, incompetence actually, I think, is worse than the yeah. evilness. Yeah. yeah. Because and actually, an, an, an inability to communicate, I think, is the biggest. It's a real shame that you stumbled over saying that. I know. That. It's a, yeah. <laughs> is that where um, 
Blair was such a master. His communication yeah, was yeah. incredible. So like recently, recently we've had that the Tory MP was talking about food banks. Yeah. And actually he was trying to make a an interesting point that his local food bank was also doing lessons in budgeting and cooking. Fine. That's an interesting point. And then he sort of balls it up and mm. ended up suggesting the reason people were going to food banks was because they couldn't cook. And the reason they were going to food banks is they haven't got anything to cook. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but it's also good if you can help people budget and, you know. And I think that sort of quite a lot, certainly quite a lot of my most recent stand-up tour was pointing out people in high office saying stupid things. Mm. So like Dominic Raab saying the sea was closed. Yeah. When he went on holiday. <laughs> yeah. or I was just going to ask you what's the word. Connor worst? Burns saying that Boris Johnson was ambushed with a cake. That's a stupid thing to say. And that's not a good explanation for what has mm. been going on. And actually, you know, politics should be about big ideas yeah. Yeah. and not ideas that appeal to everyone, but ideas that you argue your case for you and then you in. execute. Yeah. And I think that's, and I, I think there's always a real problem with like harking back the good old days and all that. But if you look at someone like Thatcher or Blair, whatever you think of them, mm. people who changed the country, partly I think it's because they spent a long time in opposition and so really thought about what they wanted to do. And then were very committed to doing it, whether or not everyone liked it. Yeah. yeah. And uh, about I being think bold. about being bold. And I think certainly Boris Johnson's been a victim of this. The desire to remain in power has taken precedence over almost everything else. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. What was that famous Norman de Monk quote? Black Friday. It's been a very difficult and turbulent day. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I mean, they, that sort of, I mean, I do also think where social media has made it become a problem is that people should not know about politicians. Yes, yes. agree. The awareness of politics has, uh, is insane. And partly that was Scottish referendum, definitely Brexit. And then all the Brexit shenanigans, you know, mates of my old school mates who had no interest in politics before, texting me every night saying, what's going to happen on yeah, the Third yeah. Amendment? Yes. That's insane. Everyone needs to just calm down. Yeah. It should be something that you vote for in a general election, and then mate, you can go on a protest if you want to on a particular issue, but just everyone calm down. And instead, this sort of, it feels like we're constantly on election footing. Yeah, yeah, so as a result, does. nobody does anything about anything. But that's it the does. problem, isn't it? It feels like we're con there's constantly conversation about things that might happen. Yeah. And it's so just... like housing's a prime example. I looked this up. So the, qu the Queen, who missed the Queen's speech this year, but I looked up her first Queen's speech in 1952, where amongst the things she was talking about were strengthening NATO, high inflation, and building more houses. So all things we're still talking about now. Unbelievable. And uh, they were saying then we need to build more houses. And I think they built 190,000 houses in 1952. Last year, we built 170-something thousand. And Boris Johnson's got a target of 300,000, and they're not going to get to it. Because everyone knows we should build more. But right now, they're worried about upsetting... NIMBYs or people in Lib Dem facing Tory areas. Blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So, but actually, if you just built loads of houses, you'd win an election. Yeah. Because you've yeah. built the houses that people are living. But yeah, yeah. actually thinking about that by-election just around the corner becomes more important than where we should we be in 10 years' time. Doctors is another problem. The reason we haven't got enough doctors at the NHS is because they take eight years to train and nobody's going to do that because mm. that's at least one, probably two general elections away. Yeah, yeah. So if Boris Johnson ordered a load of doctors now, his replacement or his replacement's replacement will probably get the benefit of it. So I suppose the bigger question is... God, we're letting this red wine breathe, I aren't mean, we? Is, <laughs> is democracy the best way to govern in the 21st is that century? The, you think that's the big question? <laughs> I think it probably is. I think so too. Well. I think, well, it's, it's, it's a Churchill quote, isn't it? Democracy is dreadful, but it's, the, it's, all it's, the, yeah, it's better than all the yeah. alternatives. Yeah. 
And actually, actually, I just think that I think it's incumbent on all of us to pay less. Well, not me, because it's my job. But for the public to pay less attention to politics. Couldn't agree with you more, Matt. So let's stop talking about yeah, politics. That's a great do story. what we're here for. Right. So this is what made us. Well, it's one of the wines oh, that, that, that made Australia good, famous. That is nice. Get your nose in there. So let's go back to the 1980s. And we're getting the, the, the sort of great British democratization of wine. Australia led the way. The lower middle class, the, the, the sort of middle class, started drinking wine. And they loved oaky Chardonnays and big Australian Shirazes, and that's that, exactly, exactly what this is from. So we're, we're sort of northwest. What, what happened in the 1980s then? What, what was the boom? Big for the music. Now, I know that I was born, all of that. I mean, in the wine world. In, 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 the, in, in the wine world. Live what Aid. happened? And <laughs> Have you heard of Queen? Bungle, Zippy and George. Yeah, and there was a real on. shift. But the, the major part of it was the supermarkets started to take wine quite seriously. Okay. Ah, I mean, that was probably okay. late 80s, 90s. If you think of the Tesco's and those Dudley yeah. Moore adverts. Um, but Australia, the sort of Southern Hemisphere, Australia and New Zealand created these wines. They had a, a sort of generation of wine growers that said, right, we will listen to what the consumer wants. Unbelievable. I mean, in, 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 in France, they had never done that. Mm. And they said, you like your red wine. You want to drink it on its own. We'll make a red wine that you can drink on its own. You like a lot of fruit. We'll make a red wine with a lot of fruit. You like it dark color. We'll, we'll do that. And I'll tell you what else we'll do. We'll put the grape variety on the name on, on the front label so you'll know exactly what you're drinking. You can associate with that. And on the back label, we describe what it, what it tastes like. Suddenly, everyone's like, this is amazing. I can now understand why. <laughs> work out what's oh, going on. really? They yeah. were the first people to sort of say, this is yeah. a nice life. So because previously, you'd have been going to your off-license rather than the supermarket. And you would have seen for Shiraz, you would, it, would, it would have been the Rhone Valley. And you would have yes, the exactly. So it's regions, not... And it would have been opaque. Yeah. And it was only... It was closed. So it was only... Yeah. It was only the sort of British upper classes or... or, mm. or, or, or snobs. Wine yeah. snobs. Yeah, snobs. Yeah. So do you think that that's what made it accessible? Just that it became something that everyone could understand? It was two things. It was the, um, it was the style of wine that was being produced. And of course, there's other factors going on, wasn't there, I suppose? Could we say it was the prosperity of the economy? Yeah. The more mm -hmm. aspirational time? After, were... after the rough time of the yeah. 70s. And then places like the Sunday Times Wine Club were doing a great, you know, a great service by explaining wine and bringing back from the wine route wines that people wanted to drink, approachable wines, you know. Do I think that's the, the big thing for me? Certainly, like, when I think of, like, my mum and dad, they're not wine drinkers, but I think it's because it maybe felt, like, inaccessible mm. yeah, yeah, of to them because it would have felt like... That would have felt like a bit fancy and like, yeah, oh, we yeah, might yeah. get it wrong. Yeah. Whereas I think sort of my generation are far more like, well, we might get it wrong. We might get it but right. But also the way, the way that like, realising that you can, you can, you're allowed to have ones that you like and ones that you mm. don't. Yeah. Rather than trying one wine and yeah. declaring, I don't like wine. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. What do you think of the wine, Matt? Mm. I think it's absolutely delicious. I think a good barbecue yeah. wine. I'd say oh, this is... that's a good thing. Yeah. 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 That's a really good it. point. I just want to make that that's an exceptional point because... You think of summer, you think of lighter style reds. Yeah. But actually, if you're having a barbecue, you need something like this. You Charcoal, have a lot of everything's burnt. Yeah, you have a lot of meat, <laughs> you have sausages, beef, hamburger. And just a glass, because if, if you have two or three glasses of this, you're going to feel quite Woozy. Um, <laughs> that That's what happens at our barbecue when I start making a speech. Yeah. <laughs> Matt's done the sausages, get ready for the speech. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Which normally it culminates with my wife saying, stop swearing. <laughs> there were children. <laughs> <laughs> this is, I mean, this is just absolutely bang on, isn't it? Yeah, it's really good. Yeah. Really good. It's just that, it's an unctuous fruit, isn't it? Dark What's it called fruit. again? It seems like a long time ago you opened it. Yeah, it's called the Johnny, um, Johnny, the Johnny Q Shiraz. Johnny Q. 
and it's she reminds me it's got a little man on it. It's not an animal though, is it? No, but I don't mind a little man on it. That's it's quite fine. a modern, trendy label. Yeah. When we're in the supermarket, Will, should we take any notice of all those gold stickers they put on there? They've got well, that's they've a good got question. All of those on there. International Wine Challenge, I would. Okay. IWC International Wine Challenge. All the others, I take with a pinch of salt. Okay. Oh. And what is your favourite of today of the wines? I'm going to say the first one. Yeah. Because yeah. I like this, but I sort of knew I was going to like this. Whereas the the first one, the name of which I've forgotten, Le Croix. Le Croix. Yeah. The, Le Croix. The, the Sauvignon Gris. Sauvignon yeah. Le Croix. Uh, that that fit, that's something I'm going to seek out. Yeah. I think. You ought to. And have another one. And that's one that's exclusive to the Sunday Wines yeah. Times Club. The Sunday Times uh, Wine Club. Summer, oh, summer, <laughs> Sunday Wine of Times. And that's the one that's exclusive. Sun of the Times. Oh, goodness me. I should have had a bigger lunch. <laughs> that's the one that's exclusive to the Sunday yeah. Times Wine Club. Where you can get all these wines from. I exactly. Believe. That is where I intermittently get boxes appear. Oh, brilliant. Yeah. 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 Some I like and some I don't, but that's the beauty yeah. of yeah, that's turning that's, up. Yeah. But Matt, I really, it's been great, isn't it? I'm yeah, thanks for coming on the, the chat. Show, cheers. This has been. Some good advice there. We all need to do less with politics. I think that's great advice. Yes, yeah, talk less about politics. Unless you're listening to my radio show, in which case it's excellent. <laughs> <laughs> That's it from us today. Thank you very much for listening to this episode of Wine Times in association with the Sunday Times Wine Club, produced by Ben Mitchell. You can follow the podcast so you never miss an episode. Just do this via your normal podcast provider. And we'll be back next week with more delicious wine and a fabulous guest. And remember that all of the wines we tasted today are available from the Sunday Times Wine Club website. But from all of us here at Amazing Grace, thank you very much for listening and we hope to see you next week for more Wine Times. VoiceOver describes what's happening on your iPhone screen. VoiceOver on settings. So you can navigate it just by listening. Books, contacts, calendar, double tap to open. Breakfast with Anna from 10 to 11. And get on with your day. Accessibility. There's more to iPhone. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market.